0: Whether you're in full-time, part-time, or even volunteer youth ministry, this podcast is for you. All right, everybody, welcome back. Um, I'm John Parrott. I'm here with uh, Jonathan McGuire, assistant pastor of First Presbyterian Church in Belzona, Mississippi. Um, Yesterday, we talked about uh, some of the best things that Jonathan's uh, done in ministry and some very helpful things. If you didn't hear that, be sure to go back. Um, but then as we were finishing, we you're actually getting into uh, our question for the, the day, and that's uh, what, what are some of the worst things that you've done in ministry or some of the the biggest mistakes that you've made? And and obviously not just kind of sharing our mistakes, but what are some things the Lord has taught you in, in the midst of those mistakes?
1: It's a hard question because it requires exposing I am and my guilt Mm -hmm. and uh, as a child the the worst thing I thought could ever happen to me was to come up short publicly Mm. and I think I have carried that over into adulthood I know I have carried that over into adulthood whether it's refusal to publicly admit wrong or anything else dealing with students who are perpetually thinking they're right (laughs) has made my own sanctification all the more necessary I think uh, a couple of the greatest mistakes I've made are, are fed by that lifelong problem I have. The first would be it's, it's easy to talk about the love of God until there's people in the room. Mm. And as soon as people are in the room, especially students who you know are lying to your face or who you are so desperate to see their own hypocrisy and to accept the mercy of Christ, and they just can't see it. And there's nothing else you can do in all your strength to make them see it. It can be easy to get frustrated. Absolutely. And I used to preach and teach in a way that was angry. And so you're sitting here talking about the love of Christ, but you're saying, the love of Christ! Gosh!
0: (laughs) And banging, banging on the podium. Yeah,
1: taking my shoe off like Khrushchev at the UN, banging on the podium and, and demanding that everybody pay attention that, that's the opposite of what Paul said in the New Testament, which is by whatever means he could, as long as it was not manipulative or anything else, of course, he was appealing and pleading and begging and showing the rich greatness of Christ to people who were placing all their confidence in the poor things of earth. And it's, it's just been a constant struggle to talk about Jesus in a way that showed that he was my treasure rather than getting accepted by what the youth were doing. I am not there to be accepted by them. I am there to make my appeal to them on behalf of Christ. And if I am not showing that my greatest treasure is Christ, then something's wrong, and I'm placing my pursuits in in things that will inevitably leave my soul impoverished, and that doesn't make any sense, but that's been a huge problem. The second one, which I mentioned previously, uh, was it's real easy to stack up a lot of activity. Uh, I'm in a small town. We have about five stoplights, and usually three of them work. Uh, (laughs) I see fewer cars in a a week in my town than I see in a day when I'm in the Capitol, which is about an hour and a half away. So there's a ton of things to do, and there is never enough hours in the day to do them all. But I have children, and I have a wife. And if I do not learn how to say no, and if I lack the backbone to say no, it's not only because I'm scared of possibly losing my job, and a lot of young ministers at a new job damage their family because they're scared of letting the church down. Absolutely. So it's not only a fear of letting down the church or a fear of losing my job, it's also not realizing that I cannot save. And God has called me first and foremost to the greatest stewardship a man could ever have, which is children and a wife. They have to be my priority. I'm very thankful to be at a church with a session that actually asks me questions like, are you neglecting your family? But it's easy for me to tell them, no, I'm absolutely doing what I need to do with my family, but I'm really only, only home 10 hours a week. We work six days a week in our town, It's a farming town. Some of the farmers are required at harvest time to work seven days a week. It's very difficult then to, you know, clock in at nine o'clock or as a youth pastor, perhaps 1 p.m., you know, until the kids are just getting out of school, as some guys do it. Right. It's easy simply to clock in and clock out. And then at home, you're, you know, you're calling students or inviting them over to your house. And so your wife never sees you. She just she just sees the youth pastor. Mm -hmm. Your children never see Daddy coloring with them. They see Daddy going to other people's games, and and drawing a line in the sand and saying, you know, to quote the historical line, "This far I will go, no further," is is an absolute necessity. We have to learn, as I think it was as uh, the book put it, we have to learn boundaries. And a minister who doesn't have boundaries is a man who doesn't understand how Christ protects his own family and his own wow. church. That's been a big big problem I've struggled with over the years. But my wife has been patient. And uh, I have had family and friends who have spoken very clearly to me and asked me to step back. And it's frankly, it's been the hardest thing I've ever done, because I, I think I'm finding my achievements and what I achieve rather than what sure. Christ has done for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a humbling lesson, and I don't like to be humbled. <laughs> so I'd say those are the two greatest mistakes. I've okay.
0: Found. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's very, very helpful. Good reminders uh, for sure. Um, just curious, you, you said that you've got session that asks you some of those those hard questions do they also um, encourage and and guard days off and do they say okay are you taking vacation are you getting you know this number of days off
1: yeah uh, it's it's a blessing to be at a church that does factor into my calling vacation time now my family live my, my my parents live a thousand miles away and they can't travel so we take the whole month of October and we're gone so they allow that, but that's also been modeled by the pastor who's been at our church for 37 years. His family lives in South Africa, so he is able to spend five, six weeks in the summer while I cover things at home and go there, and when I'm gone in October, uh, he covers for me. So the session understands that we've given this man vacation, and they honor that, and, and they want to be honored. They want, they want my time while I'm there to be valued and valuable to them. We want to be Watching out and serving one another, of course, as the church is supposed to do. But it's also an interesting community in that, when it's hunting season, you know, and I don't hunt, but others do. When it's hunting season, there will be people who will who will come into work at ten o'clock, and they'll just say I was turkey hunting. Now, of course, we take care of our responsibilities and whatnot, but the church is okay with me going home at one o'clock. And uh, if I have a Bible study that goes through supper, and I won't get home till nine, I'll, I'll take that time off in the afternoon. So I'm not functionally working a 14-hour day, and my family doesn't see me. Yeah. So they understand that. Now, I, I mean, ministry is not a, you know, Dolly Parton 9-to-5 job. It's not a 40-hour-a-week thing. You never know when when you will be called to dip into yourself and into the strength Christ provides sure. like never before. So you have to manage your time. And it's one of those callings where there's not a lot of people standing over you checking mm-hmm. an hourly box, so it's been a challenge, but they're okay with, you know, go home, go get some rest. You got to come back tonight. That kind of a thing. Yeah. And I don't feel the pressure at this church as I have at other churches in the past to present a timesheet, so to speak.
0: Yeah, that's that's good to be in that type of environment it where is. you've got that kind of staff uh, for sure. Um, and I know as you're saying this to a, a book that I've referenced on this podcast before, one that's very helpful is Zill Without Burnout" by Christopher hmm. Ash. Um, and just talking about being cautious and guarding yourself I mean he says kind of a central truth of the book is that we are but dust and that can sound kind of discouraging and humbling huh. but at the same time uh, liberating it's
1: absolutely liberating yeah. that's the word that I had in my head
0: yeah and so it's it's just encouraging to be in a church that that would encourage you to say hey take comp time that day if you've got a lay Bible study or take your time take a day off and, and all of that because as Christopher Ash kind of says, we have to have energy to be able to give it away in mm-hmm. service to Christ and for just burning the candle at both ends, oh we're going to burn out.
1: So. I would only close uh, by, by mentioning this. If, if someone is an introvert in ministry and they do not find time to be alone, they will come home angry and an and introvert has to understand that he has a great deal to give the church but he has to understand how to do that in a way that does not destroy himself and extroverts in ministry have to understand that not everybody wants to be the life of the party or not everybody wants to be fueled by public by by being seen in public and and they've got to be sensitive to those on their staffs who who are introverts and need to draw away for a time now i'm a severe introvert And I have to figure that out in a town where there are demands on everybody to work more more than one job. There's just not enough of all of us to go around. There's not enough dust. (laughs) But we have to watch ourselves lest we fall. And we find in our own hearts an evil and unbelieving heart causing us to fall away from the living God. Mm -hmm. He's made us, our sin natures have infected us, but he's also restoring us. and, And there's a fine line to walk there between acting as if we're already redeemed and can do everything and remembering our fallen and weak states.
0: Yeah. Man, that's that's excellent, Jonathan. That's very helpful. Anything else you want to add to that?
1: I'm okay. That's good. Thanks. All
0: right. Thanks again, Jonathan.